Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to talk about health anxiety. Yeah. This is a popular topic. Popular. That's a good word for it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it just seems like um, um, I do see quite a few clients who have health anxiety or, or kind of excessive worry about possible health issues. Yeah. 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 Super common. Um, but as I like to talk with my clients who, who struggle with this, what I, one thing I like to tell them right off the bat, if you're going to be excessively anxious about anything, your physical health is probably a fairly good thing. Like of all the things you could be irrationally worry about, like I, I'd irrationally worry about the state of my physical health, right? <laughs> it's better than worrying about, you know, you know, it, what happens if the sun, you know, stops burning tomorrow and we all die or, you know, like what happens if well, these hypotheticals, oh, well, your physical well-being, that's a fairly decent thing to worry about, even if it's, it's more personal and immediate, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> It kind of matters, you know? <laughs> so I, I actually like to kind of lead with that and open with that because it, it's important. A lot of people who've struggled with this for a long time, they start to feel kind of crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. this pattern mm-hmm. shows up where they worry about something. It turns out not, it's not cancer. It's not a heart attack, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets kind of like, a lot of people start kind of self-pathologizing. Like what the hell is wrong with me that I keep doing this, even though yeah. I know it's irrational or it doesn't come true or whatever it is. Um, so the fact that your brain is a little like, hyper concerned with its with your body's like physical well-being it's not that surprising <laughs> right and yes you might want to work on it you might want to kind of tone that down and we, we're going to talk about that but i think the first thing to just keep in mind is like it's not a terrible thing to, to excessively worry about as far as things you can worry about go. normal and a, and a pretty good idea to keep an eye out for your health and well-being yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it makes sense so just as a kind of quick illustration, um, I had a client I used to work with who kind of the prototypical example of health anxiety for me anyway, is she would, um, she worried about getting cancer a lot. Um, she'd never had cancer. I don't think really even had anyone in her family who ever had cancer. Um, and she would just have, you know, a little like ache, some kind of odd pain or ache in her chest, right. Or in her arm or something. And like her mind would immediately go to, could be a tumor, right. Cause that's, you know, anything could be a tumor. Right? Um, and then she would kind of go, oh, well, no, it's not probably not tumor. It's probably just something little, but then her mind would come back with, well, no, but, but just to be on the safe side, what, you know, what if it is, you know, it could be, um, and, you know, she'd go down the rabbit hole of WebMD and kind of researching stuff on it. What pain in chest, Google, what does that mean? Oh my gosh, <laughs> you get a lot of answers to that. Not um, a lot of positive or, answers. Yeah, either. or even like calling up her her doctor, right, um, or the the nurse hotline or whatever, and just saying, "Hey, I've got this." Um, and th- the way that her kind of pattern presented was, it was it was kind of off and on. So she'd go through like a stretch of like a week where this was it was a lot of worry and anxiety about her health, but then she'd kind of be all right for a few weeks. And then something would happen again and she'd be back in this mode of kind of health anxiety and worrying a lot. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a, a, and she knew, you know, that a, that a lot of it was probably irrational, right? It was probably very unlikely that a kind of minor pain in her arm meant she had bone cancer there or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
but it was, it was, it had this compulsive quality. Like I just can't stop worrying or trying to figure out or make sure that it's not actually that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, so I think that's again, kind of a hallmark is knowing, all right, this is a little bit excessive, but I feel compelled to like continue to kind of worry about this or check on it or try and figure it out or whatever it is. Does that line up with your experience of health anxiety? Definitely, definitely. And I, and I think with health anxiety, um, uh, you have to be careful because the worry can lead to kind of compulsive behaviors around uh, that, that worry and, and the, the seeds of like OCD are there, right? Because um, having this worry uh, means that um, whatever your interpretation of that is, um, you're, you're kind of teaching yourself. So if, if you have this pain in your arm and then you say, oh my goodness, what am I doing? And you look up WebMD and you look at every, every kind of symptom on the internet and what it might lead to, what you're doing is you're teaching yourself that you need to do this in order to figure out what's going on with you and, um, and, and, and to feel better. And so you're using this kind of behavioral compulsion of, of searching these symptoms out and, and or calling your doctor and or going to the emergency room and or getting tested and doing those things. And that's the only way that you're going to feel better and, and get relief from this. So you're using that compulsion to kind of neutralize your anxiety, but you're also teaching yourself that you have to do that. That that's the only way that you're going to feel better is to get certainty. And um, that, that comes at the cost of going to the doctor all the time and doing all these things. And, and because as humans, we're continually learning and reinforcing these patterns, you're basically teaching yourself that this is what you must do. You must worry, do all this research, and then ultimately go to a doctor and have them give you the clean bill of health that'll make you take a deep breath and sigh and feel comfortable for about 30 minutes until you notice another symptom. Yeah, I think that's, that's just how I think about it. Like the core sort of mechanism of health anxiety, that the engine, the, key, the thing that keeps it going is that you, something happens to you, some little weird pain, right? And you have an initial worry about it, like this could be cancer, okay? Then as a result, you feel some anxiety, right? Understandably. So that's all, that's kind of the initial thing. Then, the, but the whole thing centers around what do you do next, right? And mm-hmm. for most people who struggle with this, they so don't want to feel anxious anymore, understandably, that they do something to try and get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they worry more about it in their head. Maybe they mm-hmm. Google, they ask Dr. Google and they go down rabbit holes online. Maybe they go check with their, their doctor, they call their doctor, whatever. But the, all of these responses to that initial burst of anxiety, the key thing is when you're doing those things, what, even if you're worrying more or checking with your doctor or whatever, it feels like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. It, feels like you're being productive. You're distracted from the actual feeling. So your anxiety does temporarily go down a little bit, Mm -hmm. which reinforces that compulsive behavior, that worrying, that checking, that reassurance seeking. Mm -hmm. So it's like an addiction, right? Because those things give you a little bit of relief from the initial anxiety, they get stronger. And so the next time around, your impulse to check is going to be, or to get reassurance or to worry more is going to be even stronger. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. you do those things, Again, they feel better in the very short term. They give you a little relief, but in the long term, they make your anxiety way worse. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's actually like an addiction. And the, the key, I think, to kind of undoing it is realizing I can feel anxious. I don't have to do anything about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry more about it or think more about it. I don't have to research it more. I don't have to check with somebody or it's, it's possible to just feel anxious 
and then, you know, get on with life, whatever it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think of that? that that's that's kind of my thesis on like what really drives health anxiety. Yeah. I mean, and in, 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 in kind of the way I look at it is, is you kind of want to teach yourself a different approach, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've been teaching yourself certainty is the only answer that you must check, you must worry, you must do these things. And in a, in, a, in a way, what you're trying to do is learn or teach yourself a different approach to this, which is I don't really have to do anything and, and I'll be okay, you know, and, and having that pain in your arm and then not doing anything. And three days later, that pain's gone. You kind of get the idea like, oh, that was okay. Right. You know, now, now you're learning by the outcome rather than teaching yourself that certainty is the key. You're learning. I can do nothing and things will be okay. In the and long run. things will be all right. Which for the whatever, 95% of the population that does not struggle with health anxiety, that's what they do. It's not like yeah. they know more biology and they're, they're medically like, or something, anything. they feel something. They're like, oh no, technically I know what this is. And I'm sure it's not cancer. Mm-hmm. No, they're just as uncertain as you are. They just don't do, and they just don't reinforce that habit, habit of worry and anxiety. They kind of go, eh, uh, I suppose that's possible, but probably not. I'm just going to get on with whatever it is I was doing. Yeah. Well, gee, yeah. I guess if that pain's there in like five days, I'll do something different, but for now, nothing. Yeah. And to be clear, as a little disclaimer, this is for things that, that you, you know, whatever body concern you have, you know, it's irrational. You know, there isn't, I mean, if, if you literally are like out of breath and having chest pain and what, what like, sure. yeah, go yeah. to your doctor for sure. Right. Yeah. But, but I, what we're talking about is when you know, it's something, you know, there's an element of irrationality to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And how do you break out of that cycle of continuing to worry and, and reassurance, seek, check, even and that's a good know. point because most people who struggle with they are aware that that this is a problem that they've got that yes. they 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 tend to fix on these things. So I've had clients kind of drive past billboards that you know say hey cancer research institute and all of a sudden their their mind right. starts to worry right and they can recognize like oh it's just because I saw a billboard and in that case it's it's probably um, it's <laughs> fairly likely that that person's struggling with that health anxiety. It's disclaimer reinforced there. We're, we're definitely not to say um, ignore things that you feel like could be real medical issues. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and where does this like, so like on a deeper level, where does this come from? Like where this kind of health anxiety, like, do you have any, any kind of theories on how this, do, like, why do some people develop this and other people don't? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I mean, people, some people tend to be a little bit more anxious than others already. So there's kind of trait anxiety that's at play here. That just um, happens to get directed towards health stuff rather than what other forms. Of yeah. Anxiety. Well, and, and health stuff can be scary. So it, like, like what you were saying earlier is kind of na- uh, normalizing this for clients too, that it's normal to kind of be concerned about your health. Right. Um, and then, you know, we all see things all the time where, where people, you know, didn't know that, that something was wrong and then they find yeah. out later and that's scary and nobody wants to be at that kind of particular juncture in their life where their junction in their life where they're finding out, oh, I've had this thing and um, never knew it, you know? So it's normal to kind of want to know what's going on sure. uh, internally. Um, but this seems to be more of an obsession um, and worry about, about uh, what's going on internally. Well, I've, got, I've got this little theory. I want to see what you make of this. Uh, in a lot of the cases... Um, or I work with people with health anxiety. When people go in, have sort of episodes of, of this health anxiety being really intense and acute um, with weeks, months, whatever, where they're really spending a lot of time worrying about their health. One of the very strong patterns I've noticed is that they're often preceding these episodes of health anxiety 
there is some other very difficult emotion that they are kind of avoiding or ignoring. So almost all the time when I ask people to tell me about, so whenever they say, yeah, for the last week, you know, I've just been worrying so much about my, you know, do I have cancer and my whatever. And what I do is I ask them to describe the week, what happened the week before? Like what was going on for the few days before this period of high anxiety started coming mm-hmm, on? Mm-hmm. And I really almost force people to kind of slow down and get really specific about like what happened in your life, what was actually going on. And virtually without fail, there is some episode that produced a lot of kind of either sadness or anger that the person mm. didn't want to deal with or, or wasn't mm-hmm. even super aware of, um, but that was kind of there. And so one of my theories is that, and, and then turns out like when you actually get people to explore that was that whatever was going on, um, exploring that first, that previous emotion often sort of relieves the pressure of all this health anxiety stuff. Mm -hmm. So this client I I was talking about, what I kind of discovered with her is she, whenever she would, she was um, recently divorced. And so what I started to notice was this pattern where her health anxiety would tick up and, but it was always right after she had um, interactions with her ex spouse. And she would describe when I, when I got her, she didn't really want to even think about those, much less talk about those because she was just so done with this guy and wanted to move on. Mm-hmm. But turns out she was, every time she had to interact with him, even if it was something simple, just like dropping off, switching kids, you know, during, um, she, when I got her to slow down and really talk through what that experience was like, there was a lot of grief, like a lot of sadness there. Mm-hmm. And, and when I got her to actually talk about that, that the health anxiety stuff seemed to kind of fade after mm. that. And, and slowly over time, she got better at catching these moments of sadness and actually processing them and, and talking about them. And as she did, it's not like her health anxiety disappeared, but the intensity and frequency of it went way down. Mm. So it's almost as if her kind of whole health anxiety was almost like a coping mechanism for this other emotion she just had a really hard time even acknowledging, much less dealing with. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen anything like that, but I've noticed this in a lot of my clients, actually. Um, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying this is always the case, but often this pattern of, of health anxiety and worry is, I think, can function as sort of a distraction from some other emotion or situation in your emotional life that you just really don't even want to go near. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a a larger escape avoidance kind of kind of yeah tactic. It's, like a, it's, it's almost like procrastination yeah. you know <laughs> like like people who like haven't cleaned their room in a year but like when their term paper is due <laughs> they go and like start cleaning like crazy it's not because they like <laughs> right cleaning right necessarily right it's because they've got something right avoid, they really yeah. don't want to deal with <laughs> that <laughs> makes sense well I, you know I saw a lot of this with when COVID kicked up you know, it, it kind of naturally introduced this like, oh, scary and uh, you can't see things, you know. And so sometimes even those things can, can yeah. you know, increase someone's anxiety and send them into these kind of, yeah, worry patterns about, about health issues. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the biggest key to this um, is, is really, I found with most patients is really um, stop the uh, searching, the, the web, stop stopping those kind of initial kind of behaviors that, that start that pattern really going because they oftentimes they'll have, you know, a thought about that and then they'll just start researching. Yeah. 
And man, you type anything into that computer uh, as far as the symptom goes, and you'll find pages and pages of possible diseases and, and um, uh, health-related issues <laughs> that the, the web will um, happily suggest to you that you might have. And, and man, that just kicks up the worry. So really kind of um, having people avoid that activity of just researching yeah. endlessly uh, symptoms seems to be very helpful. Yeah, I, I would agree. I found that, that ironically with chronic anxiety and worry, the, the most helpful thing to focus on is your behavior, not necessarily the emotions or even the thoughts, right? Yeah, right. And, and I, I would agree. Well, you can't the, change those things right away. Exactly. Right? You, you don't have control yeah. over those. Right? Right. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, the, the checking and researching online. But the other behavior that I think is really important too, especially for certain people, is what I call reassurance seeking which is some people have this pattern yeah. of as soon as the health anxiety crops up, it's, well, I call my mom or I call my best friend or I go talk with, you know, my husband or spouse or I check. And it's this like going to other people to feel better, to help mm -hmm. you feel, for them mm -hmm. to tell you, no, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about, it, you know, whatever. Or and even that taking your temperature 50 times a day or, yeah, right. you know, your, your oxygen levels or people will buy those finger monitors and like wear them almost all day to make sure that yeah. they're breathing okay. And that they're, yeah. Because again, what that's doing back to your point about learning, that's teaching your brain. It's not okay to feel anxious. Mm -hmm. If I feel anxious, something is wrong and I need to do something. I must know. Yeah. And the lesson you want to teach yourself, I think is that sometimes we just get anxious. Sometimes we have weird worries and thoughts uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like, but that's normal. That's okay. It doesn't mean something's wrong. It doesn't mean I need to start doing all sorts of different things. Right. And the only way your brain real learns that it's, it's not through you telling yourself <laughs> it's through your behavior. Your brain is watching you, right? Well, yeah. So I... it, you can tell yourself, Oh, I don't need to worry about this. But then if you call 15 people to kind of check in and get reassurance, right. your brain's going to be like, eh, you're telling me you're not worried, but you kind of look worried. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's so fun to talk to people about that. Cause they'll say, I know that this is, I know intellectually, you know, I know logically this doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's great. But as humans, we kind of learn emotionally. <laughs> we don't, we don't always learn things logically. And so, logically you can look at this and say wait this doesn't make sense but emotionally what you're doing is you're reinforcing this over and over and over and over again and it's your anxiety it, it is the emotion that's driving this thing so you're teaching yourself emotionally um and and so there's part of your mind of course that you're looking at this going this doesn't make any sense but every time i feel this way i must do this thing you know and yeah you're you're teaching yourself interesting things Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.